0: Welcome to The Good Divorce Show, where we can help you learn how to navigate the journey of divorce with less conflict, less debt, and equip you not to just get divorced, but also learn how to be divorced. Your host, certified divorce coach Karen McNenny, shares her wealth of knowledge, gets advice from other relationship experts, and
1: interviews couples who learn how to have a good divorce
0: so you can too. Now, here's your host,
1: Karen Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining me this week. I am Karen McNenney, your Good Divorce Coach. And today I'm speaking with Montana neighbors, Ashley Hilbert and Misty Govitz. They are with Judnick Law Offices in Missoula, Montana. And the two of them come from a background as family law attorneys but they have crafted a vision for all of us who are facing divorce or maybe even coming out of divorce. I am excited to talk with Ashley and Misty today as we learn more about how to reach our own destination in a good divorce. Welcome to the show ladies.
2: Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. We're both very excited to be here.
1: Delighted to be chatting with you. I thought it might be interesting today to start with the age-old question of why would anyone want to be a family law attorney? because there will always be challenges it's emotionally fraught and it's so important and so needed and the two of you come from a time when we didn't always see if if you will the pretty stories of divorce that we're trying to help people craft now because there were there were times when you also as lawyers were getting if you will in the witness stand of other people's pain and misery. So let's start with some of those cautionary tales that brought you here. I I'm reminded of one that you had mentioned around an entire um law proceeding focusing on potty training. Unpack that a little bit for us.
2: Yeah, that was that was such a sad case um because it it involved two parents who were both excellent parents, right? Uh, we don't always have the benefit of having two great parents for a child. But in this case, we had really two competent parents who loved this uh, small child very much. And of course, we're arguing over parenting time and creating a parenting plan. Um, They they fought each other. They could not come to any agreement. And we ended up having to go to trial. The bulk of the reason that they were fighting and saying that one parent should have more time than the other, centered around, unfortunately, potty training. So much that we had spreadsheets as exhibits documenting this poor toddler's bowel movements and attempts in the bathroom, which is, you know, painfully boring to go through for everybody. In fact, in that trial, the judge himself turned his back on the opposing party when she was testifying and just started looking out the window. Um, And honestly,
1: can you blame the judge? I mean, what what a statement and to remember that when we get into litigation, these are the things that can just do damage. They just do ongoing damage to this relationship that you need. It it goes from potty training to graduation to grandkids. It's not a good start. Yeah, it
2: was, it was really, An unfortunate trial that soured the relationship between those parents even further. Um, The case ended up getting appealed to the Supreme Court. There were four issues. Each party took away a win on two of them. But the end result is that they have a now three-year-old child that they need to co-parent together. um, And their communication skills are just lacking. And and they see every interaction as an opportunity, unfortunately, to one-up the other one or to point out, you know, something that they believe the other one is doing poorly, instead of working together um, in a cooperative fashion to say, hey, we have this beautiful three-year-old child, and, and what can we do to help her thrive?
1: Oh, and I think you bring up the point, Misty, of that forward thinking of how are we going to stay in partnership through our parenting experience with this child? In fact, Ashley, you were also recalling a story of of, of a father whose, you know, real desire was to connect with his daughter. And through the divorce process, losing sight of that ad- ended up adding some real deep, long lasting damage.
2: Yeah. And actually um, listening to Misty speak about that case, it kind of brings this case kind of brings out all around full circle. This couple went through a pretty nasty divorce um, and they struggled throughout their child's life, childhood Mm. fighting Um, this culminating with kiddo not wanting to to be with dad anymore. Uh, And that communication was cut off and then it became another legal battle in order to try to reestablish that communication. But dad was so angry at mom and so um just caught up in in being wronged that he ended up wasting another two years before he 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 ultimately won his case um he he had decided to part ways with me because he didn't like my advice um and he ultimately won he found an attorney that fought for him and fought for him hard all the way to the supreme court he won but he was still at the point where his daughter now, I think she was 16 by the time um that case um wrapped up, still didn't want to be with him. So now he had a he had an order from the judge that said, Your daughter has to come and, and be with you. But I'm sure that's not going well for them. And hopefully oh. they found somebody to help them rebuild that relationship. But that desire to be right so overwhelmed him um, that you know, he lost focus of what was important and that was rebuilding his relationship with his daughter.
1: Oh, it is a heartbreaking story. And I would like to say that it is unusual and rare, but sadly it's not. And the focus of again, family law being in this legal construct immediately tells us lawyer up fight. I'm going to fight for you, right? That's the advertising. And we create a battle. And I just was recently driving through my hometown of Missoula, Montana, and there was a billboard with the two of you on it. And it said, it doesn't have to be a battle. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Why I became a certified divorce coach. Why the two of you have developed cooperative family law is to help families not to be embattled and embroiled, but to actually just renovate renovate their relationship, change the family structure, but still carry on in the spirit of family. Would you please tell us a little bit, and I think it was about a year ago, the two of you as litigating attorneys continuing to commiserate and think about all the stories like the ones you've just shared that led you down a different path.
2: Well, after practicing in in family law and just seeing how going through the litigious process Affects people's lives, both Ashley and I started thinking there has to be a better way to go about this. Most folks, when they go through a family law case, a divorce, a parenting plan, or any other action, at the end of it, they're financially devastated, they're emotionally devastated, they're just not in a better place. They're not in the best place that they could be to take their next steps forward into essentially their new life. And so we looked at this and we said gosh you know this is emotionally draining for our clients the judges are clearly not happy listening to these sorts of proceedings it's heartbreaking for us to watch our clients go through these difficult processes and there has to be a better way through something um that, that nobody is happy to go through and so in in talking we just sort of naturally came up with the cooperative law process thinking Gosh, if somebody has been married, whether it's for a year or 20 years, the chances are they're pretty well-versed in making difficult decisions together. They've gone through things together, they know each other well, and they know how to make a decision. So what we ask them to do is to sit down with us and make one last hard decision together. And that is, how are you going to take your next steps forward? Can we do that in a cooperative fashion where there isn't a winner or a loser, but as you say, just sort of a renovated family?
1: Absolutely. And Ashley, what was the turning point for you in that thinking, as you recall, sitting down with Misty, that really drew you to, we need to actually create something new?
2: Well, it was, it was a bit of, we keep talking about this, you know, we keep saying, we
1: all keep saying like, this all sucks for everybody. Someone should do
2: something about
1: that. And then you realize, well, maybe we're the someone.
2: Exactly. And um, to add to Misty's point, it's, it's tough business. It's tough business to sit down with a client and, you know, advocate for them for a year or two years. And then at the end of that, they're not happy. Right? right, they don't think that they got a fair shake. Sometimes, sometimes they do, but they re- they really don't feel like they should that they were made whole the way that they should be. And even if they get as much money as they think they wanted, or you know, this piece of property or or whatever it you know whatever it is, Christmas uh, in odd years, they they <clears throat> lost so much in that process, and they they're not happy. So that isn't great as an attorney. You know, we want to we want to have our clients happy with the result we've, we've got them. And unfortunately, the the way, you know, the adversarial system works, it, that just doesn't happen. So it, I think at one point I just said, we're going to do this. And Misty was like, okay, I've been saying this for a while now. Let's, <laughs> Let's give it a whirl. Yeah. And we just started working through the process of how it was going to look. Um, and it, it didn't take, too long for us to get it up and running. Uh, and it's just been, it's just been awesome. It's sounds like
1: it's been really positive and people have had a positive reaction and experience moving through the cooperative family law journey with the two of you.
2: They really, they really have. And it in turn, you know, we finished signing papers and there's smiles on all four faces, right? Yes. And, And I know that we've come back in after doing one and just been almost exhilarated because it's such a different, such a different feeling than when you sit in a settlement conference for eight or nine hours and you get the end results, which is a divorce, but you're drained and they're drained and they're emotion, an emotional wreck. And then they have to start, okay, we've got this piece of paper. Now we've got to move forward and actually make this work for our lives. Um, That's so. Right. To seeing those smiles and knowing that these people did have a good divorce it's 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 just awesome what leads to those smiles that ashley's talking about is that our process gives both partners agency in choosing what their life is going to look like um they both have a say in it we can get very creative we, we've listened to your show and, and we really love how you talk about divorce as a, as a renovation. And when Ashley and I were listening to some of your, um, some of your shows, we said, gosh, you know, going through the adversarial process is like remodeling your house, but not having any say in it. So that when you you say, is, is this my house? This doesn't feel like home to me. Somebody else designed this. Through our cooperative process, both spouses have a hand in designing their new homes, their new lives, and I think that agency is really what creates those smiles. Instead of months or years of fearing the unknown, sleepless nights, what is the judge going to say, what crazy letter can I expect from my ex's attorney next, it's, oh, okay, well, what do I think about this and what can I say? Um, And that's, that's really an empowering process for people to go through. And we've loved just seeing that transformation.
1: Really appreciate these words, empowerment, agency, self-design. I think there is a myth out there and any of us, myself included, who get married, we're not thinking about divorce at all. That is not the pursuit or the destination. And then you bump up against that threshold And I know so many of my clients and folks that probably you support are like, we don't know how to do this. And the only thing we know and see is what's on TV and in the media. And most of that is just trash. So this idea, this mythology that someone's going to tell you what your divorce settlement should be is actually wrong. The two people in the marriage get to decide, but when we hand over our future, to the law or to lawyers who do not come at this from a cooperative or collaborative lens, then we begin to see the disconnect and the destruction and the despair. And the reality is listeners, you do have a huge say. And if you and your partner can sit down together and have a conversation about what you want your future to look like, chances are you are going to just by that very moment going to change what your future is. Now, Ashley and Misty, you're like me in that not every client is our client. Not everybody wants to have a cooperative journey. Do you have a lens? There might be somebody listening right now like, oh, I can't get my, I wouldn't be able to get my spouse to to be a part of this. Or uh, what does it mean if if are we a good candidate? For uh, the cooperative family divorce approach. So what are some criteria of what you notice when couples or individuals reach out to you?
2: Well, I would say the biggest thing that um that I've noticed in the way that we have changed the way we approach initial consultations with um, with divorce or parenting plan cases is that if you give them enough, you know, questions about where they actually are, in um in the relationship, um it opens up a door to another possibility. And we've had we've had many people say, well, I'm not, I'm just not sure if I can get spouse on on board with this. You know, they have a conversation and they realize that the other person doesn't really want to fight either. Um, so just just opening up the door to the possibility has been huge. You know, for people to see that it it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be a traditional battle.
1: That's right.
2: We've tried approaching all of our cases and saying this is a potential for a cooperative family law session. In fact, we one of our more recent ones. The wife in that case contacted me first, and she had some allegations of some pretty serious ongoing um, abuse in the relationship, physical and financial abuse. And I talked with her about the cooperative session. She said she just wanted to be done. They they had raised their children. They had one minor still. And she was ready to start a new life. And when I described the cooperative process to her, she loved it. She loved the idea. And we spoke with her husband as well. And, and we got him on board. What Ashley and I did and the challenge for us in that session was to make sure that there wasn't any issues with power dynamics in that situation, because we have both of them sitting down at the table together. And we wanna make sure that we create an environment where neither one of them has control or is able to influence the other's ability to say their point of view. We create an environment where both of them can offer their perspectives and hear from each other Um, And we talked a great deal about how, how to make that happen. We, I think, were very successful in navigating that. But what it really showed us was, gosh, any divorce can be a cooperative divorce if the two parties are willing to sit down together and say, how can we resolve our differences, whether it's as simple as who gets the Toyota and who gets the Subaru or whether it's as complex as we've got a lot of financial assets. We've got, you know, some pretty extreme discord in our marriage and children, all of that can be worked through in a cooperative manner.
1: Just beautiful. We're chatting today with Ashley Hurlbert and Misty Gobbets with Judnick Law Offices in Missoula, Montana. They are the founders of cooperative family law. So if you are listening and either thinking about divorce, maybe you need help with a parenting plan, legal separation, perhaps you were never even legally married. We are here giving you resources today on The Good Divorce Show, so please stay tuned.
3: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you thinking about getting divorced? Before you call a lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach, Karen McNenny, a certified divorce counselor, co-parenting specialist, and mediator. Karen's signature Good Divorce experience will guide you through your divorce journey, from the day you make that difficult decision to the day the decree is signed, all for a predictable fee. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to get divorced and be divorced with less conflict and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you.
0: Welcome back to the Good Divorce Show with Karen McNenny. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866 472 5788. That's 866 472
1: 5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for spending some time with me, Karen McNenny, your good divorce coach. And today I am chatting with Ashley Hurlbert and Misty Gobbets with Judnick Family Law in Missoula, Montana. They are the founders and the midwives of Cooperative Family Law, helping you not only with parenting plans, legal separation, but of, of course the divorce journey as well. Welcome back to the show, Ashley and Misty.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Now we heard in our first segment, a few of those unsavory stories that we're all trying to avoid, but there are also these moments when folks like you and me can bring a couple into the room, whether you're a same-sex couple, a, a couple over the age of 50 or under 50 with kids, without kids, there is a place of possibility when we all come to the table together. And in doing so We're able to write our own story. And I think that's a beautiful part of the message that Ashley and Misty are reminding us about today is that we have more agency and empowerment in how we design our divorce. We do not have to do it just by default. So there was a moment when one of your couples was coming to what I always call our divorce graduation. And it's something that we've worked hard for and that we can actually be proud of. And we cross over into this next era. And this couple showed such kindness. Can you paint a picture to help our listeners to know what it looks like to be in that cooperative space with someone who is soon to be your ex-spouse?
2: This couple were um, a younger couple. And there had been some work issues and implications that had uh, come up because of COVID. And one of the one of the parties was going to have to return to work from um, from an actual office. And that created an issue with them not basically being able to live in the same location. When they got to us, they had already decided that, you know, that their best path forward was to separate through the whole the whole day. We were just surprised to see how supportive they were of each other. We got to a point where we were coming down to one of the last items that needed to be addressed and um, the wife got a little bit choked up and her husband reached over and grabbed her hand and squeezed it and you could see that that was supportive and that helped and she, you know, she was able to wipe her eyes and um, and move forward and I know that they left um, in a great great situation for both of them moving forward. And um, they had a great resolution to their, you know, to their dissolution. What was so moving about that, I think, is we traditionally think of couples who are divorcing, using expletives to describe their ex-spouse, or, you know, just saying, I, oh, I never want to see that person again, and, and having terrible wishes for that person. But these two understood that, Not only is this a difficult process for me, but it's a difficult process for my spouse who I'm divorcing. We're going through this hard journey together so that we can start new lives separately. We can support each other through that difficult process, and we can wish each other the best going forward separately. The session that Ashley's talking about was one of our earliest ones. And I think that's why it was so moving and touching, because that's when we realized, wow, this really does work. This is transformative for people and for their relationships. And and it was just so moving to see that supportive relationship between them as they held hands while letting go.
1: Oh, Misty, I want that to be on a bumper sticker. <laughs> Holding hands while letting go. That is a beautiful goal in the symbol to reach for. For everyone who is listening today, who is wondering, do I have to blow up my life? Is it going to be an endless battle? What are we fighting for? What is it that you want in the end? And at the end of the day, I think most people do not want their former spouse to suffer. The, The anger and the hurt sometimes manifests itself and we don't know where to put our own anger and hurt. So it comes out in that divorce process, but it does not have to be that way. And again, not everyone is up for a cooperative divorce. Like We are spouting this. I think there is a huge movement throughout all of the United States and maybe even globally that we are trying to change the narrative of divorce. But there are some people who still operate from a scarcity model and cannot get to the other side of that. Ashley, you had a client come in that you were doing what we would call an intake, an insight interview to see whether or not they were going to be a good fit for a cooperative family divorce experience? What did you discover in that conversation?
2: It seemed like um, initially it was uh, probably going to be a pretty good fit. Uh, The couple didn't have a whole lot of assets. um, And it seemed um, clear that both of them just wanted to, uh, you know, to move on, to move forward. And um, I was explaining the process and how we needed to get some financial information. and. Uh, this particular individual let it slip to me that he had been basically hiding business assets, uh, in a brother's name. Um, so she wouldn't have a right to them. And unfortunately I have ethical duties. I am not willing to represent somebody like that. And he attempted to kind of roll it back and tell me that he would be truthful and all of that, but I'm not going to be willing to work with somebody who's not going to be honest and forthright, um, not only with me, but also with the legal system.
1: That's right. And furthermore, attorneys, would you please remind our listeners what happens when you hide assets pre-divorce and then they get discovered after the divorce?
2: So there's a statute that addresses that specifically. If one spouse has an asset, and it can be anything of value, that they didn't disclose to the other spouse during the divorce... When that other spouse finds out, oh, you had this other account or you had this asset, this thing, they can go back to the judge and say, judge, I didn't know that my spouse had this. They had hidden it from me. And the judge can then award the full value of that to the spouse who, who didn't know. And the same goes for debt. Um, throughout divorces, a lot of times spouses will find out that their other spouse had a, a credit card or a line of credit that they didn't know about. Um, when divorces happen, the task is to divide all of the assets and the debt in what's called the marital estate. And if one spouse doesn't put a debt on the table, the law says that they can be made to retain a hundred percent of that debt. Um, so I always advise clients that it's best to err on the side of disclosure and put everything on the table. Honesty is just the best way forward. And that does um, that does bring up another issue that we see with clients a lot of times is they don't want to disclose certain assets because they don't think they belong in the marital estate. And basically from Montana law perspective, they don't really care. The judge doesn't care. The law doesn't care. If you own it, then it has to be disclosed because it's not up to the individual person to make that determination. It's up to the judge ultimately if they can't resolve it, so... Um, again, error on the side of caution.
1: So one of those that comes up is like family inheritance and whether the inheritance came to the person during the marriage or before the marriage, a lot of times we'll be possessive of like, well, that was my father and my father left this to me and it should be mine. And we talked about that. So I'm not even going to put it on, on the discoverables, right? However, once you come down and you look at the entire m- marital asset overview with folks like Ashley and Misty, then you can negotiate and as spouses you can say oh yeah those monies that came from your father i do want you to have all of those in full that is what feels right and we help clients to get to that place that's one that comes to mind for me in terms of you know inheritance and people not wanting that to be on the table but remembering there's this this sort of liquid dance between what's fair and equitable and that's not always the same and that the couple can do the negotiating rather than having basically strangers, your lawyers or a judge deciding for you.
2: And that's what's so nice about the cooperative process is you're right. When once couples can sit down and look at each other and say, you know, this is the inheritance from my father and, and I think I should get this quite often the other spouse says, Oh, you're right. You know, I, I really like your father and I know he wanted you to have that. We find out it's a non-issue, but through the adversarial process, when the spouses meet separately with separate attorneys, it's often that I'll have someone come in and say, Oh, they're not getting that. That's mine. My dad gave that to me and I want you to, you know, and, and we're starting from the perspective of thinking, Oh, Somebody's trying to take something away and I had better fight. It's already a defensive stance. It's already a fight when in reality, there's no fight there. That's right.
1: We're creating fights where there is no fight if we just let people sit down and have a conversation.
2: Exactly. If they they have the opportunity to discuss it in an open manner, they often, and, and in the work that we've done, they often find out that the majority of these issues that they think are going to be a a contentious spot are not.
1: That's right. And that is encouraging for all of us. Now we have talked about collaborative law on the good divorce show in the past and with some collaborative based lawyers, which is different than the cooperative family law approach that you have. Can you give us a high level distinction between those two things? So that as people are looking for resources doing their research on what's going to be the best fit for them, what distinguishes your approach from collaborative law, which has very specific guidelines?
2: So in the collaborative law model, there there aren't just attorneys at the table with the couple. There's also often a financial advisor or a therapist or counselor. There are multiple professionals at the table, um, which can really drive up the cost of the process. It's it's a good model. It's a good model for folks who need multiple professional eyes on their family law situation and for folks who can't afford it. Um, but our our cooperative sessions differ chiefly in the fact that The only individuals in the room are the couple whose lives are at issue here, uh, along with Ashley and myself. There's no attorney who advocates for either side. So when an issue comes up, neither Ashley nor I are ever going to say, oh, you know, this person is correct or, or that person has a good point. We're never going to advocate for either side. What we do is create a space where both parties can put all of their issues on the table. We can advise them on what the law says when an issue like this arises. And depending upon what jurisdiction we're in, what have we seen judges do in cases like this, and then help create a fork in the road with multiple paths that the couple can take here's one way you can go, here's a way we've seen other folks go, and we can really custom-tailor results to um, the individual. One thing I always tell my clients is that no two families are alike. We're all unique in in the way that we operate and the things that we need, especially when there are children involved. Going through the cooperative process allows uh, a separating couple to create a path forward that's unique to their family, that takes into consideration everybody's needs. The other thing that I I touched a little bit on, on the financial difference between collaborative and cooperative divorces, a lot of times we're contacted by, you know, working class couples who don't have a lot of assets. Most attorneys that I'm aware of in Western Montana will charge an initial retainer of somewhere around $7,500. When we're taking that out of a marital estate for two spouses, we're looking at $15,000 right off the top that neither of them get to put into their pockets. They don't get to divide that between each other. And that's quite a significant amount of money, especially for working class folks. Through our cooperative process, the retainer fee is typically a little bit lower than um, what we would charge for an adversarial process. And it's something that the the couple often shares together. Uh, sometimes one spouse agrees to pay for it, but a lot of times they split that together. Um, and so we talked a little bit earlier about how divorce can be both financially and emotionally devastating. We like to think that our model not only puts agency you know, back in control of the divorcing couple, but puts their finances back in their own control because there is something left at the end of the day that they both can take and say, this is what I'm going to use. This is the nest egg that we've built together and we're going to share it so that we can each start anew.
1: And I just, like that little nugget right there, we built this nest egg together and maybe one spouse was working in the external world, and one was working in the internal domestic world, but you're supporting each other. And we want everyone to have stability on the other side of the divorce. That is the goal. And that is what we try to create for our children, regardless of which home they're in. And hopefully they're spending time with both of their parents on a regular basis in a healthy fashion. Now, Ashley, you all have also dubbed this idea of divorce in a day, which sounds delightful as a divorce coach, because I think the longer people sit in the stink, the stinkier it gets. So let's move them through swiftly. And it isn't precisely a day, but working through the legal components, the mediation components, it's kind of a one-stop shop. Can you walk us through, if I were to call you today, and say, my spouse and I are looking for an amicable divorce, what would we expect from the cooperative family law team?
2: And you're right. It isn't a divorce in a day, the the actual session is, is can be up to a full eight or nine hour day, depending on amount of assets, you know, difficulty and getting through um, issues. However, the process leading up to that requires some work. So um, a typical, Case would start with uh, an intake phone call um, that would be forwarded to either Misty or myself. Um, we do kind of a, just a quick nuts and bolts of what the program is. Um, if they think they're, in, you know, they think they're interested and their spouse would would maybe be interested, then we try to schedule a joint phone call with both with both couples. If from there they think it's a good idea, then we're going to get them calendared for their day. Um, we're gonna get the document side that we need to, uh, and then we're gonna give them a little bit of homework for stuff that they need to get to us, which basically just tells us what what is the stuff, what are we dealing with here, um, what are your assets, what are your debts, kids, any special circumstances, those sorts of things, so we can start pre-drafting, um, you know, pre-drafting documents kind of in a you know blank slate way. Um, and then once we get into the the session, then we start figuring out what you know what that those individual things are going to look like and how that's going to be, like you said, renovated. Where we're going to p- fill these puzzle pieces in. The plan is, and so far has worked very well. That by the end of the day, whether it's three hours or six hours or eight hours, um, we have all the documents drafted, and we have it all done, and we get it to the judge for his review, which usually takes anywhere from three days to. I think the longest one we've seen is about a week, two weeks to mm-hmm. ten days. Um, and then that's that's the end of it. That's the deal. You're divorced and you're moving forward on your new life.
1: And reminding our listeners that this is a beautiful approach to get all those legal documents in order and finalize that divorce. Both Ashley Misty and myself have, you know, this other recognition that those of you moving through divorce, that there's also just the how now do we behave divorce? What is our new relationship? What's communication and transitioning and scheduling and and the future of our children were in preschool and now they're driving or now they're going to college. And how do we continue that communication? So we know that we don't want to oversimplify the process or the emotional weight of it, but recognize that it does not have to dredge on for months and years and get embroiled in the court system. Get on with living your good divorce renovation rather than sitting in the darkness of the getting divorced process. I think it's just brilliant.
2: I would just uh, like to touch on that a little bit more just in that it also gives us an opportunity to explain to them the things that they're not seeing you know, the issues or uh, problems that roadblocks that may come up in the future and help them recognize that now and understand and put in place, you know, uh, with parenting plans, especially, you know, a way to navigate that. And it gets, it really does get them set on the right foot to move forward with their problem solving.
1: That's great. And when we come back from our break, we're going to hear some of those tactical uh, support mechanisms to help you get on with your life on the right foot. Chatting today with Ashley Hurlburt and Misty Gobbets from Judnik Law here in Missoula, Montana, representing the Cooperative Family Law Process. Doesn't a divorce in a day sound good to you? Stay tuned to hear more. <laughs>
3: america is on linkedin connect with us today are you thinking about getting divorced before you call a lawyer call the good divorce coach karen mcnanny a certified divorce counselor co-parenting specialist and mediator karen's signature good divorce experience will guide you through your divorce journey from the day you make that difficult decision to the day the decree is signed all for a predictable fee The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to get divorced and be divorced with less conflict and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio.
0: Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNenny. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788.
1: Now, back to the show with Karen. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for staying tuned, listeners. We are chatting today with Ashley Hurlburt and Misty Gobbets from Judnick Family law here in Missoula, Montana. But these two pioneering lawyers have decided they've had enough with litigation and always getting people on opposite sides of the tables and fighting. They want to bring you to the same side of the table into a cooperative divorce experience. And even if you are already divorced, or maybe you've had a child with someone you weren't married to and you need to look for legal separation support or parenting plans, or you're retooling your parenting plan. Ashley and Misty might be the source for you. Welcome back to the show, ladies.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: Delighted to be chatting with you, my little divorce sisters. We are on the same pioneering path. Let's do it differently, folks. Now, there is one thing that almost every divorcing couple can agree about. What is it, Ashley? Uh, that you both love your kids. Yeah, it seems so simple but it is so important. And when we can have a child centric conversation and we call it a parenting plan, but it actually isn't about the parents. It's about the kids, right? A a child centered plan for how their life is going to move across two homes. And when we can agree and remember that our children came to this world through love, when we can put our focus there then we speak differently to our spouse we think about the division of assets differently we think about how we show up at the christmas concert differently what are your recommendations ladies in trying to preserve the post divorce relationship with our co parent
2: well i think a great a great tool you know key to to remember is that you don't want to you don't want to start off from a point of anger uh and if You know, if your co-parent says something that, you know, that immediately makes you angry, then you need to take a second and refocus yourself um, so that you can can respond to that in a way that diffuses the situation or, once again, puts the kids first, because ultimately that's what's important. It's not about you winning or your spouse or your ex-spouse winning. It's about making sure that you guys can work in a way that benefits your children the most,
1: not the kids win. And Ashley, I, I like how you say you might need to take a few seconds, and but I'm telling you sometimes it takes a couple days mm-hmm. because no one will push your buttons, those little hot spots more than your former spouse. And we get this magical thinking, listeners, and I know you're out there like, but they did this thing and they never, and they always, and I always ask my clients, well, now, is that a familiar behavior? Have you ever seen your former spouse do that before? They're like, oh yeah, all the time, our entire marriage. I'm like, well, okay, it's the same person. And that's the gentle reminder of why you brought your marriage to an end because they are the same person and you're gonna hit the same button. So the the work becomes, how can I move my buttons? How can I not get ignited? And you're gonna feel it and it's going to come up and and our instinct is going to want to right away retaliate. And Misty, you have a visual reminder of this. And I think even over the radio, we can, we can compel people to understand that if you're putting up a fight, chances are you're going to get a fight.
2: Sure. So here in, in Missoula, our district court judges, whenever a couple is divorcing with children or creating a parenting plan, they require the couple to go through a parenting course. Now, because of COVID, that's online, but it used to be a session that was done in person. Um, I did attend that session, and I can remember clearly the standing master choosing a man out of the class, and and the class was held at the courthouse, and she had him stand up, and she said, well, come here and and stand in front of me, and I don't want you to move. And she put up her hands, um, and she pushed against him. She didn't shove him very high, but she pushed against both of his shoulders with her hands, and he, of course, immediately stiffened up so that he wouldn't stumble or fall backwards. And she said, well, what did you do? You kind of pushed back against me, didn't you? And, and that's not what you came up here to do, is it? You came up here to, to help demonstrate something with the class because I asked you to do that. And so that's something that I remember. And that's something that I talk with my clients about. It's that when you're communicating with your ex-spouse or your co-parent, remember your goal in communicating with them. Is your goal to make them angry and have them push back against you? Is your goal to inflame, you know, an an already difficult relationship? Or is your goal to communicate with them and get towards something else, you know, to figure out um, who's going to take your child to their dentist appointment next week? Or how are we going to finalize these uh, titles for the cars that we're supposed to Um, separate and and finalize as part of the divorce, keeping your mind on that goal can help form the way that you speak with your ex or with your co-parent so that it's productive rather than creating additional arguments and additional disagreements.
1: That's right. Do no harm. Do no more harm. Most of us arriving at the threshold of divorce is because there already has been harm done. There might be betrayals and long pains and And things that we just hold on to that no longer serve you. We have to let those go. And you may have an angry email inside of you. I had a client, she had a whole file just called angry letters. And that was part of my assignment to her. Like, I want you every night this week to write an angry letter to your former spouse and all the things that they did wrong and why you are so upset and why you're so hurt. Because it needs to get out. And then let me read it. We're not going to send any of those, but out is better than in because when we sit on that anger, when we sit on those disappointments, it's like the beach ball in the swimming pool. You push it down, you push it down, you push it down. Sooner or later, that sucker is going to pop up. And the longer it goes down, the more energy it's going to catch. And we don't know when it's going to pop, whose chin it's going to smack or where it's going to end up. So containment And releasing those big feelings is very useful. And what Ashley and Misty and I are encouraging you to do is to have them contained and have someone read it, witness it. You might even have someone like uh, those of us chatting today, divorce professionals who like, okay, there's information in here your spouse needs, but they don't need all the name calling and they don't need all the past history. It's just these three bullets. And we're going to transform this relationship into not an adversarial ex-spouse, but to a business partner. And the business is raising our children together. So even if I work with someone that really drives me nuts and that I don't really like, and I might not even respect them, there is a way that I choose to communicate with them professionally. And that's where we're headed with your former spouse. So Bill Eddy from the High Conflict Institute, he reminds us to use Biff. It's brief... And it's informative and it's factual and it's friendly. That's all your communication needs to be. And most of the time, if you're looking for a teachable moment with your former spouse, you're not going to find it because you're probably not the right teacher. So wonderful advice from Ashley and Misty in terms of that post-divorce communication to try and simmer down and don't start another fight. That pushing, we're not bad people, but if I feel attacked, I'm going to counterattack. That is just the limbic system in our brain saying, wait a minute, just like you described that judge and one of the participants at the parenting class, like, I'm going to resist if you are pushing against me. So the idea is to yield and have powerful and intentional conversations that are not destructive. Absolutely. Remind us where we can find both of you and that indeed we have an international audience listening. But for those of you in Montana,
2: Ashley and Misty are
1: available too. Tell us where and how to find Divorce in a Day and the Cooperative Family Law Program.
2: Yeah, so it's pretty easy to reach us. The the easiest way to reach us is just to pick up the phone and give us a call. And our phone number is 406 721. 3354 but if you're not sure that you want to talk with us and you just want to get a little bit more information about who we are or how our cooperative family law program works you can also just go to our website which is judnicklaw.com that's j u d n i c h l a w.com we've got a lot of information on there we've got a little video And we've got a way that you can reach out to us directly from our website and get in touch with us. Our firm has an on-call phone and we have an attorney who's assigned to that every month. And uh, the turnaround time for folks who reach out to us is pretty quick. So if you have questions, we'd encourage you to check out our website, give us a call, reach out to us uh, through our form online, and we'd be happy to talk with you.
1: And again, you are able to work with folks throughout the state of Montana in person or virtual.
2: Our main office is here in Missoula, but our firm does also have an office in Bozeman and we have connections to um, an office in Butte as well. So we can travel uh, for folks who are looking for um, just a more dignified way forward.
1: Oh, I think that's the perfect word. A dignified way forward. Any final words of wisdom or reminders that you would share with our listeners today, Lazies?
2: I think just What we started with, that it doesn't have to be a battle. You can have agency in your life. You can carve a way forward that gives you peace and that lets you start anew with your best foot forward. You don't have to have a long protracted fight with your spouse or your co-parent. You don't have to spend nights worrying what the judge is going to do. This can be your divorce because it's your life.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Misty Gobbets and family law attorney partner, Ashley Herlbert from the Judnick Law Firm, speaking today about the cooperative family law services, parenting plans, legal separation, your divorce decree, one-stop shop, getting all those ducks in a row so that you can walk out of their offices with a smile on your face. Even when there's a tear in your eye, it does not have to be a battle. Thank you both for joining me today on the Good Divorce Show.
2: Thank you so much for having us. We've we've loved chatting with you. Yes, thank you. It's been uh, been an awesome process listening to how how you do your work uh, and getting the opportunity to to share with all your listeners what we do.
1: Wonderful. And to all of you, thanks for staying with us. Have a wonderful week, and remember, everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end.
0: Thanks for listening. Do you have questions or thoughts about this week's episode? Let us know by following the Good Divorce Coach on Facebook and Instagram at Good Divorce Coach and leave a comment. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific or listen anytime wherever you get your podcasts.